Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, Tyler, it's just me and you tonight. Hey, that's all right. Um, we're looking forward to talk uh, all about everything that's transpired over the last, uh, what, three or four days here. And, and I feel like it's weekend. been like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? When uh, Steve Eisenman's your general manager, it seems like, you know, there's news that just comes fast and furious, especially when you least expect it. Like on, what was it, uh, the the trade for the, uh, the tender there? Um what, what, when was that? Was that Wednesday or was oh, that God. Thursday, like afternoon or morning? I don't even remember when it was, but I remember just like seeing it, like what? And obviously, I'm not breaking who it was. If you know, you know. But, well, everyone uh, will know, but it was July 22nd, uh, so five days ago. So that would that would have been uh, Thursday. Okay, so I was dead on, and I, it feels like it was at like 10 o'clock in the morning, which is what it seems like Steve Eisenman is able to. Um, strike when when you least expect him to do so and i feel like it just it just keeps compounding and stuff keeps happening and it's like the weirdest off season i think i've i remember in in recent memory because just everyone keeps trying to top each other with like really stupid shit uh and like today mark andre Fleury was given away to the chicago blackhawks like he just won the vesna and then went to the blackhawks for a minor league defenseman and now he's saying he might just retire. And if he retires, then his cap hit is completely gone from the Hawks. I would too if I had to play for the Hawks. So, I mean... At least you got Seth Jones in front of you. <laughs> yeah, and, and then we were talking, like, are the Hawks in a rebuild? Or are they going for playoffs? Because they get Seth Jones. They trade away uh, one of their young uh, prospects. And I thought they were rebuilding. They're in a weird situation, not to get into like a Chicago Blackhawks, um, you know, TED talk here, but I mean, they, they're interesting, you know, they're still hanging on to Taves and Kane, but they've moved on from Duncan Keith and kind of, you know, brought in a guy like uh, Seth Jones. So, I mean, they're trying to convince him to stay, of course. And, you know, I mean, if Flurry comes in, I mean, they, they could be a playoff team. Is that a stretch to say? I mean, DeBrink gets good. <laughs> Kane's still pretty good. I mean, Kirby Doc's a good. And I hate the Hawks. You know, Ryan knows that. You guys know that. But, I mean, that's not a stretch, I don't think. Not in that division. Yeah, and I think that they're trying to do a lot of stuff to cover up their news that they refuse to talk about. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens there, but the the Red Wings had a lot of well, not really a lot. As the week had progressed, more stuff had happened, and then we had the draft, and then a few things happened today. But uh, the first thing we want to go over is that the Red Wings absolutely fleeced the Carolina Hurricanes. So they <laughs> traded 
pending uh, UFA Jonathan Bernier, and a third round draft pick to the Carolina Hurricanes for 25-year-old goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic, who basically, I mean, in, let's see, 23 games played in 2020-21 for the Hurricanes, he had a 1-9-0 goals against average and a 9-3-2 save percentage, and in nine games in the playoffs, had a 2-1-7 goals against and a 9-2-0 save percentage. So Carolina fans were pumped. Uh, Mrazek with his injuries and inconsistent play, and Reimer, who is Reimer, they're like, man, we have a young stud goalie who I believe was a Calder finalist. And yep. he's in there winning games for them. And uh, he had a 15-5-3 record in the regular season. And then the Canes just decided they didn't want him anymore and traded him for an expired or an expiring Jonathan Bernier contract in a third. And man, Canes fans were pissed. And then other ones entered the denial-like stage of grief, trying to say that he wasn't that good and that the only reason he was good was because of Carolina's defense, which I'll give him part of that. I mean, he will look better under Carolina's defense than he will under our defense, but uh, maybe he goes from a 9-3-2 to a 9-2-0. Like, it's it's insane. And then people were trying to say, oh, he was in Carolina's system for so long, and he was a uh, third-string goalie behind... Reimer and Mrazek, I'm like, he's 25. Most goalies don't make it to the majors until they're 23 to 25. Right. Unless you're Carter Hart or something like that. But I mean, I mean, initially I saw it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did we just get a number one goalie? Make sure and, the account is and, verified and, and, that you're I, looking I made at. Sure, yeah, right. <laughs> I made sure. It was, I think it was Pierre Lebrun that broke it. Or, no, it was Elliot Friedman. It says Nadelk- Alex Nadelkovich to Detroit. And there was nothing else there for like a couple minutes. And then it says Detroit extends Alex Nadelkovich's contract. Or there is also a contract extension uh, with it. Which I thought was just like, oh my god, Stevie Y, man. I, I, I hate being one of these people that just tire pumps their general manager or tire pumps their, their coaching staff or whatever. But I mean, this guy is just... <sighs> I mean, as if we didn't know what he was on the ice. And now off the ice, he's become, you know, one of the best executives and general managers, maybe of all time, if he can get this Detroit Red Wings team to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, considering the fact that, you know, he left the year before Tampa Bay won two Stanley Cups in a row. Those are obviously have his fingerprints all over it. But this Nadelkovich trade just reeked of Steve Eisenman seeing a situation that was about to get vile between uh, the Hurricanes and and the player because they weren't offering very much. And it didn't seem like he wanted to play there. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it just seemed like something was going to happen there between those two. Uh, Don Waddell, the, uh, is it Don Waddell, the yep. general manager of the, uh, the Carolina hurricanes? It just seems like they don't want to sit there and pay players. And if that's going to happen, then you know what? You're going to have general managers like Eisenman swooping in and saying, Hey, we'll give you a third round pick and an expiring contract. And Jonathan Bernier, who could, you know, end up being your future goaltender. Um, no, you because know, it, today it, Bernier says he's basically not going to sign with Carolina because they're not going to pay him. <laughs> so like, what are they gonna do I, like i don't understand well i remember nadelkovich was on the uh, the world junior team uh he, i think this was one of the years that the world junior team was down and they needed goaltending to really even compete and he was unbelievable against team canada i think this was the dylan larkin year that he was on team usa i could be wrong but i remember one of those years there he was fantastic he didn't win a gold medal but he was fantastic and i mean like i said to me it it reeks of a situation of of eiserman just seeing it and saying you know what i think i can pounce and and you know get this player on my team and I mean, it just so happens that Alex Nedeljkovic led the National Hockey League in goals percentage or goals against and save percentage in the regular season. And I know people are like, "Oh, it's only twenty three games." Well, it was a forty eight game played, season. Well, it was fifty six. Fifty six. I'm sorry. They only yeah. played fifty six games. So I mean, you played uh, less than half, but you played twenty three games in a fifty six game season. 
I mean, okay. I mean, to to have those numbers is very impressive. Plus, and then he one-upped it and played well in the postseason, too. Yep. Alex Nedeljkovic is not the reason the Hurricanes didn't didn't win uh, any, you know, that playoff series against Tampa. You know, Tampa just has difference makers. And Carolina, if you watched a lot of those games, the Hurricanes just can't score goals. So, and they don't have the difference makers like Kucherov and Stamkos. Most teams don't. But, um all in all great trade i mean he's gonna probably be here for a long time and if he's not i mean we'll talk about you know the the drafting and stuff but uh you know he's 25 years old i yeah. mean he's not a ufa for two more years after that extension that stevie i gave him so yeah, yeah all in all positive there it just for- seems that dundon is cheap and he's giving them a, an, an amount of money they're allowed to spend because he just bought the team like and, and you're going to buy a team and get in there and just cheap out on everything. And I guess they offered Nadelkovic like uh, 1.5 million and he, his ask was like 3.5. So we traded for him and immediately signed him for two years at 3 million. It's you can't be cheap on a young goaltender who by all accounts looks like he could be a stud goaltender. And, and you look at that and we, we go into last season with Bernier and Grice, which granted Bernier was good, and but getting older. And Grice towards the end of the season was good. And you look at this and now you've got your young, who I suppose is going, I would assume is going to be the starting goaltender. And, and he's happy because he's closer to home. He's from Parma, Ohio. So he's over the border, but he's in a, I mean, live in Michigan, have family really close. And that's another big thing is you, you make your players happy when they're closer to home. Right, so sure, absolutely. I guess I just don't know what. And, and then Carolina comes out and goes, man, we don't have a goaltender. We're just their excuse was we're looking for uh, older, more veteran player to with, with more experience that can get us through like the playoffs. But like your guy was doing better than all the other goalies. So I'm my, not my sure. thing about them is like, I saw a lot of people saying, Oh, well, okay. Then this opens the door for Freddie Anderson. And I mean, if, if they're not going to pay Alex Nadelkovic, if they're not going to pay, you think they're gonna pay well, yeah. What makes you think they're going to pay Freddie Anderson? I just, it, to me, the trade made no sense, but I'll take a goalie, a stud goalie for a third round pick uh, every day of the week, every day of the week. I will take that. Um, but yeah, that was the, the first piece of surprising news. And then we went a little bit and there were some more stupid things that happened around the league. Uh, Ken Holland is, I guess, signing more old people. Now the new thing is apparently he wants Ryan Getzloff. What is um, wrong with him? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm like, I was talking to Ryan at the draft party and all uh, the, the guys we were hanging out at the draft party. If I'm Leon Dreisaitl, I already kind of am a little pissed because I'm, I'm a star player who's playing behind Connor McDavid. So of course I'm going to be shadowed, but now Ken Holland is going to great lengths to fuck up the team. I'm, I want out they trade me tomorrow. Like that made me right fucking now. Yeah, so it it doesn't to me that makes sense. That was a terrible German accent time. <laughs> there was there was no accent there. But uh, we were talking about Nedeljkovic and his World Juniors. One six six saber, uh, goals against average. Nine goals against in the whole in the whole. How many uh, games? Six games played in 2015-16. So, I mean, yeah. nine forty three save percentage. One six six goals against in I'll important games. Yeah, I'll every day. It. Like that was the that was the Austin Matthews, Matthew Kachuk, uh, Christian Dvorak, Team USA. Uh, so then we had a little bit more happen today. We what was it yesterday? Anyway, the Red Wings signed Gustav Lindstrom to a two year extension yeah. that has an AAV of eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I okay, he's your seventh defenseman. I mean, you. Mm. They also brought back Mark Stahl for one year. Which I love. That's great. I good veteran defenseman. He was one of our best defensive defensemen last season. When we thought he was going to be bad, and he started shaky, and he ended really, really well to the point where we all said, "Yeah, we'll bring Mark Stahl back for a year," and they're going to bring him back for a year. I think his contract is two million dollars. But you're looking at uh, right now. You're looking at Letty, Cider, Heronic, DeKaiser, 
Stahl, Stetcher, Gustav Lindstrom's going to be your seventh defenseman. And if, if someone like Stahl needs a maintenance day or someone gets injured and goes down, then Lindstrom will fill in. But he doesn't have a spot in the lineup as of right now. No, no. And, but you know what? Depth is very important. And, I mean, we, we can say what we want about Gustav Lindstrom. Steve Eiserman likes him for some reason. He protected him in the expansion draft. Now he's giving him an extension. I think it's because he's he, young. He, well, that he's got some size, and you, if we saw what you know what the Wings did in the draft and what they've done in the draft previously, a lot of big uh, right-handed defensemen um, or left-handed defensemen. I guess it doesn't really matter. Just big defensemen in general who can skate. And Gustav Lindstrom isn't the f- fleetest of foot, but he can skate, and and he's not a complete liability out there. And I mean, like I said, depth is very important, especially. When you have a young team, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be inconsistencies. So, I mean, Gustav Lindstrom's going to get his opportunity to play. It's better than having Alex Biega as your reserve defenseman, right? I agree, yeah. And hopefully there won't be a taxi squad. So, Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think there will be, but I haven't heard anything at all about them changing any of the rules going into the next season. All I know is that the the divisions will go back to go normal. back to normal, thankfully, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that was the other news was Lindstrom. Uh, Tara Hirose was also signed. I don't know what they're going to do with him. He looks good sometimes when he's in Detroit. He looks great in Grand Rapids, of course. But he's, I guess, what most people would consider a tweener. He's not going to come in and score you a million goals, and he's going to come play probably a decent fourth-line role. But in Grand Rapids, he's really going to show out and rack up the the points because he can do it against there. It's just getting to that next level that's a little bit harder for someone like Tara Horosi. But he did show, I mean, some decent promise when he played in the NHL. He just isn't getting the consistent chances, but there's some enough there, I guess, that they'll give him another shot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with them bringing Horosi back. I, you're right. He is kind of a tweener. It seems like a guy that you know, we'll jump between Grand Rapids and Detroit. And I mean, you know, there will probably be a point in time where the guy ends up becoming on waivers um, because they can't send him down anymore. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent on Hiroshi. I mean, if they wouldn't have not qualified him, I wouldn't be mad, to be honest with you. Um, It's just a one-year deal worth $850,000. So, I mean, he's an RFA again next year, so. Yeah, and it, especially know. if you keep him in Grand Rapids, and you guys, you have guys like Berggren coming in, and you have guys like Raymond coming in, right. that There's you're no gonna want to give them. Really. Well, you're gonna want to give them a decent enough team to compete and do well. Right. And Hiroshi will he'll put up points, and he'll be a good setup. Like we saw in Detroit, Hiroshi is a good setup guy. He had like what was it, seven assists in ten games. So you put him in with Raymond and Berggren, and and have have him feed them pucks. I think that's where you're looking and and you're getting him for another year just as maybe a buffer role for guys like that. And if he needs to, again, come up and fill in a spot in the Red Wings lineup, he is more than capable of doing that. Yeah, Uh, I would think uh, Bergeron is going to be up. I mean, it it seems like... You think? uh, Yeah, well, maybe not right away, but I think Raymond will be in the AHL. And Bergeron will probably start unless, you know, one of those guys pushes. I mean, there there's going to be ample opportunity, I think, on the forward. Because even if there is a lot of guys, I mean, you don't think that, that a guy like Lucas Raymond or Jonathan Bergeron could take a spot away from Taro Hirose or, you know, one of these, you know, Franz Nielsen or one of these guys. Well, that you figure you, you opened up a spot by getting rid of Richard Ponick. You're right. probably not going to bring back Darren Helm, so there's two spots. One of those spots you got to figure is going to be taken by Giovanni Smith. So you've got a spot open for a Raymond Philpole or a Bergeron. Is gone. Yep, I would imagine Gagne is probably gone. Yep, apparently there have been maybe talks about bringing Gagne back for a year, which again I don't yeah, mind. But you're going to have spots open up because I mean they're going to bring back Adam Ernie. They're going, but you got, and then we don't know, are they going to bring back um, Luke Glendening? I have seen absolutely nothing, and we'll know all of this tomorrow, really, after free agency opens up. 
But I, who are they going to bring back? But we know there's at least probably three or four open forward spots that are going to have to be filled. And one of them will be filled by Giovanni Smith, but what's happening with the other ones? Yeah, so, that's that's the thing. I mean, and, you know, obviously Zadina is going to be back on the team this year. Rasmussen is going to be back on the team. Nemesnikov, you know, we thought we might lose him in the expansion draft. That was not to be. And we lost Chalowski, which, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent on. I don't know about you. I mean, it's unfortunate because it was a wasted first-round pick. But, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Well, if, he can, if Chalowski can get out of his own head, I think he'll be good in Seattle. And maybe he needs a fresh start. He's closer to home because his family's from Vancouver. So they're gonna be they're gonna be a disaster if they don't do anything in free agency. This, oh, they you, you know, know they will. They have to, and I don't think to, they would uh, be a disaster, don't... but they're not going to be very good. Right, right. That's that's kind of what I mean. They're not they're not going to be a team that's you know looking at next year to compete. They're going to be a team probably three or four years down the line looking to compete if they don't make any moves, which. You know, I mean, up until the beginning of the season, anything is possible for Seattle. They have cap flexibility. They have money, obviously. They, you know, they just paid that, what was it, $650 million to get into the league or whatever. So, I mean, they they paid their way to get in, and I think they're going to spend money. I just don't know that it's going to be right now. And yeah. so, I mean, it ought to be interesting. But – Chalowski, yeah, I mean, it's a wasted first-round pick, which which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. And so going back to forwards, there's been a lot of talk around Tyler Bertuzzi too mm. recently, and with, I guess, as soon as, as recently as today, apparently the Penguins have interest in him. But there's interest out of Toronto, there's interest out of L.A., there's interest out of Pittsburgh, apparently. So if something happens there and Iserman gets a pick and a prospect, and maybe a defenseman, depending on what teams are willing to give up, you're looking at another forward spot open. So right now you've got Zadina, Rasmussen, Nemestikov, Fabry, Franz Nielsen, who will probably get waived and go to Grand Rapids. There's another spot that opens up. And you've got Larkin. So we're still waiting on Bobby Ryan, Sam Gagne, Philpola's out, Bertuzzi's in RFA still, Glenn Denning, Helm's probably out, Ernie will get a deal, Verano will get a deal, Spetch is out. Uh, that's the other news that we're going to talk about in a minute. And Broma's out. So you've got spots, and you need to fill them fairly quickly here. So I, I, there's a ton of opportunity, and I don't want to say that the roster is wide open, but the roster is open for guys like Berggren to show he can play at the NHL level or for maybe Raymond to try and push his way in. Is Raymond, is Raymond one year out, you think, still, realistically? Uh, realistically, I would say Raymond is probably one year out, or at least a half a year out. So you think he's that close to the NHL then? There's there's a shot. Maybe it's an outside shot, but there's a shot that he makes a team out of camp. With the limited minutes he got in the SHL and the work he was able to put in and how he looked, I think he's closer than a lot of people think. But I... Th- I think Iserman would probably be more comfortable giving him half a year, half a season to a season in the AHL. And we know he's coming over because Frolunda tweeted out that they're, he's not coming back. So he'll be in Grand Rapids or Detroit. I guess it just depends on how he does in, in training camp. Now the Red Wings did say they're going to have probably a prospect tournament in Traverse City, but no development camp. So he'll have a a way to show himself in the prospect tournament. And then I'm assuming he'll be in full camp because he's going to Grand Rapids. So we'll see how, how it pans out. But I think there's an opportunity for him to make the roster uh, considering who he's competing against. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially, you know, Eisenman has talked about wanting to be, you know, a a harder team to play against, but also a team that can score goals. I mean, Lucas Raymond, you could drop him into the NHL and he's going to score some goals. I mean, he's a pure or at least goal be a scorer, great so. a great setup guy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, anything's possible. That's why you know this whole rebuild since it started and Eisenman took over for for Ken Holland. I mean, it's just been fascinating from the start of it to where we are now and of course the inevitable uh, time where you know we're a playoff team and hopefully a, a Stanley Cup contender because that's the hardest jump it's not hard to become you know a team that's a rebuilding team to become a playoff team it is hard but to an extent it's not 
Um, it's just the next jump is to become the Stanley Cup contender, which, you know, there's only, what, three or four teams in the league that are realistic contenders. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes towards the next point where you're losing guys too, and you've got to figure out what to do when you lose guys, how to replace them. And I think signing people, signing someone like Ned, that speeds up the rebuild. You didn't have a future yep. goalie. And it looks like you now have a future goalie and you've got two after we'll talk about the draft, but you've got two (laughs) after the draft. But the other news that came out was that Evgeny Svechnikov is out. Uh, He was apparently offered a two way deal. He will explore free agency. So I mean, the dude, I feel bad for him because there is talent there. He showed that he has offensive talent. He disappeared a bit later on. Didn't get the chances he probably should have gotten. But there is talent. And it just sucks that his injuries happened consecutively. And he lost so much play time. That I think it was just... He could not cement himself enough in the lineup on, yeah. a, on a nightly basis to, to get, that, get, a, get himself going. Yeah, the year he was drafted... Um, it, I think Mike Babcock said he was going to make the team and he what did he, he probably broke his leg, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he he hit a rut and he broke his leg and he yeah. was out for like the whole year. Yeah, that was that was one and then he had shoulder issues, right? Or is that Berger in that had shoulder issues? Uh, they all blend together. Every, every he had other injuries that also kept him out for an extended period of time. Right, and the coaching staff certainly didn't help him. You know, when he did get back into the lineup, it seemed like, you know, they'd play him bottom six minutes. They'd play him, you know, on the fourth line. It's like, that's not helping this guy. He's supposed to be a first, first, um, you know, first-round talent. And this is another example of a wasted first-round pick. And a underdeveloped, not underdeveloped, that's not the proper word. Are you saying he's like a reach? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say he's a reach because he was certainly coveted, but another guy that you thought would be, you know, a second-line player at least. and he, But he flames he, out. Yeah, he flames out. And that's, the, you know, that's the Ken Holland regime, so I guess we're not going to have that's to Tyler revisit Wright. that. But, but, but still, yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's not good. Chalowski out uh, and now Svechnikov out too. But we have the redemption story of Michael Rasmussen to hold on right. to. Right, that's that's the silver lining, and hopefully that was the other out. thing that happened last week was Michael Rasmussen got signed to a three-year extension, which well deserved. I mean, he proved us all wrong. I think we were we weren't writing Rasmussen off, but for a while we were slightly down on him, and we knew it was mostly because of his transitional period where. He wasn't going to be good in the NHL coming straight from junior hockey, but had to because he had nothing left to learn in junior hockey and couldn't play in the AHL. But Michael Rasmussen earned himself a three-year contract, and it's a good deal. and Low money, I think it's like $1.7 million or maybe even lower. I don't have the number up right now, but Michael Rasmussen got a, a sub-$2 million dollar deal. one point four six so per yeah. year. Yes. Three-year deal. So a sub $2 million deal on a guy who should eventually, and if not already, be your third-line center. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he showed, you know, not just flashes. He showed, like, you know, he's the guy that, you know, could be this third-line center of the future. And, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, he's he's a big guy. And, you know, I don't need to tell you guys. You know what he plays like. And, uh, I mean... He, he certainly skates better than he did before. So, I mean, that's a perfect deal. And guess what? If he sucks after year three, see you later. That's it. I mean, he's a RFA, but, you know, you can um, not tender him the contract and, and, you know, he'd be gone. But, you know, again, that would be another waste of a first-round pick. But I think I think Rasmussen could be the redemption, could be the last, you know, good draft pick that Ken Holland had. Yeah, and was he taken too high? Probably. Probably should not have been taken with pick number nine. He was probably... Jalowski, same thing. Yeah, well, he was probably more in the 15 to 20 range, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how his development comes through, and if he can be a guy like a Thomas Holmstrom and just create havoc and, and tip pucks into the net and be the dirty net front presence that he can be because that's where he's most dangerous from is he's got really good hands right in front of the goaltender. And he's huge, so he takes up a ton of space. 
and, and blocks the lane. But I think he's he is the one, and we talked uh, about it when we talked to Daniela, that is probably the most improved over the previous season was Michael Rasmussen. He earned the three-year contract, and I'm happy to have him back. And I think if you're going into next season with your centers of Larkin, Valeno, Rasmussen, and Nemestikov, if you want to keep Nemestikov at center, or if you want to put uh, even take Robbie Fabry and make him your second-line center and make Valeno your third-line center and Rasmussen your fourth, your center group looks better going into next season. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like I said before, you know, it, it, there's there's no perfect science to this rebuild. There's a lot of different things um, that, you know, we can, they're still going to be done. There's still still a lot of creativity. But, I mean, so far what I've seen, I like. And, yeah. um, you know, th- hopefully they can continue that. And I think that's what we were hoping for for Svechnikov, and it just never stuck. So Svechnikov yeah. is out. Uh, now, the other big news of the week, and we're kind of going a little fast because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. But the other big news of the week was that the NHL draft happened. And we were down there. Well, not Tyler. But me and Ryan were down at Chevy Plaza hanging out with you guys. It was an awesome time. We gave our t-shirts, met some new people. It was just a ton of fun. And all night and beer and food and people. And it was great. It was nice to do something again post-COVID where we're just able to hang out and have a good time with people to feel like normal again. So that was a lot of fun. But the Red Wings made some interesting picks, starting out with number six overall. Now, we were watching and we're like, it was like Zadina all over again. We're like, holy shit. We're like, Eklund is falling. Eklund should have gone. If anyone would have challenged Owen Power for the first overall pick, it would have been William Eklund. And he didn't go, he didn't go, and we're at six, and he's still available. So we're like, he's, we got him, that's it. And Iserman chose defenseman from Forlunda, Simon Edvinson, which hmm. I was mo- he was mocked as high as number three by Bob McKenzie, uh, Sportsnet, and ISS Hockey, but was also mar- uh, mocked as low as 14 by Recruit Scouting, 11 by McKean's, 8 by Elite Prospects. And the reason for it is that all the tools are there. Edvinson can skate. He is good at protecting the puck. But there are points where his puck management is not so great. It'll be a bad pass. Uh, He's a really good zone entry. But there will be times where he just makes one too many plays and gets stripped of the puck. If he can put it all together, he's a legit top-pairing left defenseman. You put him with Cider, that's an unstoppable pair. Or you take him away from Cider, and, you know, he's, he's you know, your you're head of, you know, the second D pair. And that's, sure. that's important, too. Sure. So. But with him, I think the thing was is that some people called it risky because he has probably the highest ceiling of any defenseman in that draft. But if he doesn't put it together, he also has probably a floor of a mid to bottom pairing defenseman. So I think you're, he's an NHL talent regardless, but you're looking at a guy that you hope your staff is good enough to, to allow him to develop and put it all together and train him the right way. Now, he does have Cronwall working with him uh, or will have Cronwall working with him. Cronwall apparently scouted him. And it helps because he's over in Sweden, and we'll see what he ends up doing, and I'm assuming he'll play another year in the SHL. But Edvinson last season in, let's see, in 14 games with Frölunda's J20 national team, he had six points, one goal, five assists. In 10 games in Frölunda's SHL team, he had one assist for one point. Then he played in the Allsvenskan for 14 games and had five points, so he's not a huge point-getter. And I think that can come with a little bit of time. But again, he's he's a guy that if he works on everything, he could be really, really good if he puts it all together. Yeah, from what I saw and, and you know, everything I read and, and kind of watched a lot of video on him, it seems like he's not good. He's not great at one thing in particular. He's kind of good at everything except for... Uh, his puck management, as you kind of noted too, uh, his puck management's kind of like 
he'll play two really good periods, and then the third period he'll make like three or four turnovers, and you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So, I mean, hopefully, you know, he can harness that, and hopefully, you know, that's just him being young, and, and you know, he'll be able to kind of calm the game down where, you know, you, you look at Moritz Sider, uh, one of his intangibles is he's able to kind of calm the game down and they can play the game to his pace because he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, but, I mean, with time, that does come. I mean, Nick Lidstrom wasn't a first-round pick here. So, I mean, from what I see here, he's a guy that is going to be really good defensively the the concern with me is he's a very big wild card i think in the, in this draft he yes he could be the best defenseman in the draft but he could also just be you know another guy that's uh in your bottom you know your bottom pair and hopefully that's not the case hopefully it's somewhere in the middle or you know we get lucky and he ends up being you know this defenseman that everyone thinks he could potentially be um i just thought i i don't think it's a reach cuz i mean steve eisman we thought re- reached for uh, Moritz Sider, uh, what was it, 2018, 2019. And, I mean, it turns out that it wasn't a reach. You know, no. it turns out that it, it was a really good pick, and hopefully it continues to be that way. Um, this kind of seems that way, is, is yeah. what it really seems like. It seems like Steve Eisenman beats to the, the tune of his own drum, and he doesn't care what you say, he doesn't care about, you know, William Eklund or any of these guys, he doesn't care about the goalie that was there. And he just, he beats to the own, the tune of his own drum. He knows what he wants and he takes it. Right. Exactly. And you know what? The best general managers are the guys that outsmart people and that, you know, say, you know, people are like, oh, there's, you know, there's four guys in the top five that, you know, went to the University of Michigan. It would be cool to have the local ties. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. We'll take the, we'll take the big, big Swede guy. So, I mean, he, what, he's six foot six? Six I mean, foot five. Uh, six, five, oh, six foot two five, oh seven. Yeah, two oh seven. So he's got some room to improve there. He's a big but, dude. Uh, that was again, the theme of this draft. Huge guys. Yep. The last two drafts. Uh, big guys, big defensemen, and I mean, this is an, a left shot defenseman, and a, you know, a compliment hopefully to Moritz Sider. And if it's not, then you know he's the second line, uh, you know, the, the head of the second line defenseman. So I mean, all in all, it, it's it's a it's a high risk, high reward kind of pick, I think. Yeah, I think that I don't think it's that high of a risk because he's still going to develop into an an NHL talent, but. I think it's a, a potentially extremely high reward. And the one thing that I noticed every clip that I watched of him is he's extremely elusive. Uh, he will, I mean, he can dance around people and, and the puck control is there. And I think that's one thing that's kind of, especially for a guy that big, I think I saw one person say he's six foot five, two Oh seven, but he skates like he's six foot one ninety. Yeah, and, and, and handles the puck like that, too, and that's important as well. Um, the one thing I will say about him that, um, you know, it will hopefully come with time, is he going to be this kind of guy that's going to be on the power play? Is he going to be someone like a Victor Hedman that, you know, maybe doesn't score all the time, but he's able to get the puck through? Actually, I did see a lot of Victor Hedman kind of quality. Well, that was one of his comparables of before right? the draft, yep. Yeah. All right, so... Um, Obviously, I wasn't there. I was in on vacation in Maine. Blah blah blah. What was the overall mood when they picked Simon Edvinson? Was it kind of like the cider reaction, or was it a little bit different? I think that everyone got excited because they heard for Lunda and thought it was going to be Eklund, even though he didn't play for Forlunda. But uh, it, I mean, overall, good because a lot of the people knew that Edvinson was an option. Um, you're, I mean. By all accounts, a lot of people ranked him as the second best defenseman, and some people made the argument for Brant Clark, but the second best defenseman in the draft, and just that Owen Power is ready probably now to play. But it it was good. I mean, the same thing when we pick Cider. The, the mood's going to be good regardless because you're hanging out with people in, in Chevy Plaza, but I don't think anyone was too down on them picking Edvinson, and it wasn't my pick there, but... I can see why it was the pick. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so we got our first our pick, our never mind, hold on. 
we got our number six pick and then we're going and we're going and we're waiting and we're like, oh shit, we're going to be here all night. I'm not going to go home till 11 o'clock because we've got pick 22. And then at 15, when the Dallas Stars are ready to pick, they announced that the Detroit Red Wings have traded the uh, pick number 23 and pick number 48 and pick number 138 to Dallas for pick number 15 where they took goalie Sebastian Cosa, who we had them taking uh, with the second first-round pick. But the big news there was that uh, uh, Jesper Wallstedt was still available. Now, uh, some people were shocked by it. Some people were like, why are we not picking Wallstedt? Well, I'll tell you, Sebastian Cosa is 6'6", 212 pounds. And there was some debate closer to the draft on... Not who was better, but how close the gap actually was. And I have talked to a few people since who say that Kosa in the end could be as good, if not better, than Wallstedt. Yeah, um, the one thing that I would say about Wallstedt versus um, Kosa is I think Wallstedt is not as athletic. Kosa seems like... He's big, but he's also really athletic, kind of he like is. a Vasilevsky. I hate to make that comparison, but, I mean, you know, he was taken in the first round, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, goalies, is it's really hard to predict. But as far as, you know, a first-round goalie, I mean, Steve Eisenman needed his goalie of the future, and he went out and he got it. He traded up for it, and he got it. So, now, EP's, I mean, notes, EP's notes on Kosar, he mixes things up and recovers quickly on rebounds to get in front of multiple shot sequences in order to clear his crease. That's the one thing that's really big on Kosa is he is good at deflecting the rebounds to the corners. He does not throw pucks out in front of him. Uh, he's not afraid to use his hands and does a good job of covering up pucks before they spring loose for scoring chances. He'll use a wide array of save options to match whatever the shooter presents. And basically, if he's down in the the butterfly and his legs are out, there's no post gaps because of how big he is. And I I mean, I'm I'm real excited by it. And you went and picked up Nedeljkovic and you draft a guy like Kosa and you're set on goalie, hopefully for the next, I don't know, you can be set for the next 10 years. Yep. Yep. 10 years is a good time in hockey. So, I mean, he was... Really good for Edmonton, um, you know, what the Oil Kings there. So he had, what, a 157 goals against and a 941 save percentage? Yeah, he went 17-1-1. I mean... Now, people were saying that really the only competition he had was Medicine Hat because the other teams were kind of not great. But still, those are, like, really, really good numbers. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, can't... Yeah, you, yeah, you even can't, if your competition uh, is not good... Having a nine four one save percentage is still good because you saved shots. Like, yeah, no, absolutely, and, and you know what? Um, like I said, this is kind of a. You knew that they were going to pick a goalie at some point. They always do in the draft, and this was an opportunity. This was a real opportunity to, um, you know, say, you know what? We have our goalie of the future. Or we have what looks to be our goalie of the future. And you know what? We, before uh, Friday night, we had no idea. We didn't know if it was going to be Caden Falcher, Philip Larson. Well, guess what? Sebastian Kosa has just surpassed all of those guys. Yep. And he, so he's going to be in Edmonton again next year, I'd imagine, right? I Yeah, I would assume he can't go to the AHL and he's not going to come to Detroit. So, yeah, I'm assuming no, he'll he, go back to Edmonton. Yeah. You know what? And, and that's that's the right spot for him. Um, you know, one more year there, and then maybe you bring him up to Grand Rapids or unless he's looking at the college route or I don't know exactly. No, he can't, right, because he's already played in the OHL. So, Yeah, um, he's uh, played two years for the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL, so he'll have to go back for another season or actually two seasons, right? you got to be four seasons or 20 years old, I believe, so. Yeah, and he's uh, only eighteen, so yeah. he's not going to. Well, be he'll be nineteen in no. Well, he'll be nineteen in November. Oh yeah, I see that. Okay. So that that's. They're and, not rushing him. Let's put no, it that way. No, There's and no you can't. Way. You you don't want to rush a goal. The goalie is the last position you want to rush. But Kosa, I mean, it was a great pick, and uh, again, would some people have taken Wallstedt? Yes, because 
a lot of people think Wallstead is the more sure bet, but Iserman drafted Vasilevsky, so I'm going to leave this one up to him completely because he clearly knows uh, goalie talent when he sees it. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and you know what? Again, it's a little bit of a high risk. In uh, in a high reward, but I mean he's a big guy. Hopefully he can kind of you know get a little bit stronger and and again like I said you're not you're probably not going to see him in Detroit for three or four years and, at you least know, the hope is Nedeljkovic is the starting guy and you know he can you know be the one A one B to Nedeljkovic at some point and you know you kind of go from there. Yep. So the other move that happened so with their third selection. Uh, at number now they traded up again so the Red Wings traded pick 38 and 128 to the Vegas Golden Knights for pick 36 where they picked Shai Buim from the USHL now I want to get Dylan Krill back on he's going to come on the show to talk about uh, the our draft picks because it seems like the Red Wings put a lot of stock into drafting the USHL where I think some people uh, are into scouting the USHL because I think some people believe that the US, the USHL is a pretty under-scouted league. So, uh, Shai Buim played for the Sioux City Musketeers in 50 games, had 26 points as a defenseman. He is six foot three, two fourteen. So again, big boy. Another tree. Yep. Left left defenseman. So if you figure if Edvinson's going to be your Number one left defenseman, maybe Shy will be your number two left defenseman, which would be really nice. He's committed to the University of Denver. And the more I watch on this kid, because right now they're doing the World Showcase in Plymouth, he's super smart, uh, really smart on the ice, very good puck control. Again, super slippery, uh, very good evasion, and just just an overall high hockey IQ level. And I can understand, I mean, he was ranked as low as 99 by draft prospects and as high as 32 by Craig Button at TSN. Actually, no, uh, yeah, high as 32 by Craig Button at TSN. But uh, watching his clips and then watching just his stuff over the past couple days, I can see why they moved up to take him because I think he was probably moving up some boards and I don't think Iserman thought he was going to be there when, when they were up. And Eiserman will move up to get his guys. That's why he got those picks, extra picks, to be able to use as fodder to be able to move up and get the guys he wants. And, and you know, I'm sure everyone heard this, but, I mean, he said uh, in the post-press conference after the draft, he said that he doesn't like trading picks. He just nope. saw this as an opportunity to, um, you know, get a guy that they wanted that they didn't think that would be on the board when they picked next. So, I mean, Shai Buyum is another example of a guy that, um, you know, I don't know a whole lot about. I'm, I'm going to be frank. I did see some of the video. He went to Shattuck, so that's always someone that, you know, um, is a high elite prospect. Uh, played in the USHL, and it's he's, you, like you said, he's going to go to Denver. Denver's, you know, a primarily pretty good uh, hockey program. So, I mean, you probably won't see him in the NHL for a couple of years. But, I mean, these college guys are, are quicker than, than a lot of people think. I mean, two years from now, it's not a stretch to say he might be in the, at least in Grand Rapids or maybe in the NHL. Who the heck knows? So, um, this this one will be interesting. He's a big guy again. I mean, we, we talked about the the size factor, and Steve Eiserman kind of talked to about it as well. He said, "All things equal, we're taking the big guy." So, and he's talking like speed and, and you know all that you know skill and everything else. If we're taking a guy that's small and a guy that's big, we're taking the big guy every time. So, I mean, that is a kind of a theory that I believe comes from Tampa. You know, you had Sergachev and Hedman and all those guys. So um, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, he is also a, uh, the Red Wings uh, will be the Red Wings only Jewish player. He is the huh. son of, uh, yeah, the son of Israeli immigrants. So that's also a cool fact to know about him. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so that was, a, I think that was, a, again, a really solid pick where Iserman was able to move up and get the guy he wants because of the extra draft capital. Elite prospects notes on him are his hands and feet work independently, each transmitting different information to opponents. With changes of pace, fake shots, and constant eye deception, 
turns exits into inside lane entries, creates passing lanes, and hits teammates through heavy pressure. Given goes with the space-filling mentality, allow him to create scoring chances for himself or his teammates. I mean, those are all really high remarks for, for someone like that. And again, you said he went to Shattuck. His numbers, in 2019-20, uh, Shattuck St. Mary AAA, 57 points in 46 games. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unreal. Yeah, last season at Shattuck St. Mary, uh, you, uh, 18 and under prep. He had 13 points in 17 games, and then in Sioux City, he had 26 points in 50 games, as well as three points in four playoff games. So I, there's offensive talent there, but he's also extremely deceptive and uh, just looks really, really good. Uh, next up, we have, again from the USHL, uh, Tri-City Storm's captain, Carter Mazer. He played for Chris Draper, and I think it was Little Caesars, yeah. So he is a Michigan kid. Uh, he was born in Detroit. He was picked round three, number 70 overall, but he was ranked as low as 127 by FC Hockey and as high as 121 by McKean's and no one else had him ranked. So this is where I think we take some swings on some guys in a weird draft year. And again, where some think the USHL is under scouted. He had 44 points in 47 games. He had two points in three playoff games. He is also committed to the University of Denver like Shy is. And he's also playing in the World Showcase and had a goal yesterday. So I, I'll i take a swing at it. There is, again, his tape looks really good. But again, you're getting into where you're maybe reaching a guy. You're taking a guy at 70 that's mocked in the 120s. And you're hoping that he turns out really well. He's six foot 168. Yeah, another big guy, um, and obviously this is the first forward that they took, and, and you know he is the captain, so I mean that is cool. Uh, it seems like the the Red Wings are are and Steve Eiserman himself has kind of said that you know um, maybe it's just kind of a coincidence, but I don't think it is. I think they want guys with good character. They want guys that have been leaders at one point or another. So I mean th- this is another good pick by them. I mean obviously going to the University of Denver, which is another really good hockey school as we all know. Um, what played at the played for the Little Caesars uh, down yep. in Detroit. So I mean. You know, I mean, when you get to the second and you get to the third round, I mean, it kind of becomes a little bit of a crapshoot, as we all know. I mean, obviously, well, especially in this past draft, right? This draft, you're probably going to see guys that are in the fourth and the fifth round that could have gone in the second or you know third or maybe even higher. Who knows? But um, you know, there wasn't a lot of hockey played in in certain areas of the countries. So, I mean, you kind of can only go off of what you've seen or what you've heard. I mean, this is a very strange time. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a swing, and hopefully they, they hit on it, you know. And this is what you have to do if if you're going to rebuild and, and rebuild um, quickly. You're going to have to hit on some. You're going to have to get lucky with some of these, and I think this is uh, also part of that. Yeah, and that goes to our next uh, player who was drafted in round four, 114 overall, Red Savage, who has a great story. (laughs) He's son of Brian Savage, who was a longtime NHL player for Montreal, uh, Arizona, St. Louis, and Philly. And there were a couple stories. There's an athletic story that came out where he's just, I mean, he's a no-quit guy. No one was ever going to tell him he couldn't do something. He was ranked as high as 48 by Draft Prospects Hockey. He was ranked as low as 95 by, or no, 115 by FC Hockey. But we got him at 114, so we got him at what the pro, or what the scouts said was his low, which is really good. He played for the U.S. National uh, Under-18 team. Uh, he, in 46 games, had 42 points. He was the captain for Team USA in the World Junior uh, 18s, and he had one point in, or he had one goal in five games. He's committed to the uh, Miami University of Ohio, and again, it's a USHL or United States Development Program pick. And again, if you hit on it, especially a guy like this, it's a third rounder or no, a fourth rounder. It's a fourth rounder that if he ever makes the team. That's a win. And he's 5'11", right. 181. So a little short, a little light right now. But if he hits, 
it's a huge success. Plus, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you love to see a guy named Red Savage play for the Detroit yeah, the, Wings? I the mean, most that would be badass. Awesome. The most badass name in in this draft probably is Redmond Savage. And he's got brothers that play hockey, and of course his dad was a huge hockey player. And one of the things that Iserman, I mean, no, one of the things that Draper was asked about is he was asked, how much do you take into account, like, that you talk about intangibles, and is one of the intangibles that you've had a parent, you're the child of a parent who also played hockey. And Draper thought Not about just it for hockey, a but he played in the NHL. Yeah, Draper thought about it for a minute, and he said, "Yeah, when you're you understand that maybe Dad's not going to be there for birthdays, or maybe Dad's not going to be there for holidays, but you also get the you so you know what kind of uh, sacrifices it takes. But you also get the reverse of it, where you get to go watch Dad train, you get to go to games and see what he's doing every day, and." He and these are all, I think, what they consider more character-building traits. And Red Savage also wore a bucket hat in his first presser and looked like Gilligan, which got us a retweet from Bar Down. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is another guy that if he ever snips the NHL, it's a it's a it's a win. gravy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I mean, the name would be incredible on its own. Um, and uh, I mean, he's a USN, uh, what is it? N- USNDTP national NDTP. team development program. Yes, correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of those guys, obviously he wasn't on the, no, the, he was on the U18 team. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, I mean, a lot of those guys end up being NHLers. So, I mean, you know, you take a swing and hopefully you hit here again, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot, especially when you get this deep in the draft. And, I mean, there were people that had him ranked higher than where the Red Wings took. So, I mean. Far higher. Yeah, far higher. So, I mean, that's a win, I think. Uh, so, the next one that was also ranked far or higher than where the Red Wings took him in round five with 134 overall, the Red Wings drafted Liam Dower Nilsson. This is another, I think, character pick. He's a six foot, 176 pound center out of uh, uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. He played for Frölunda's um, J20 and J18 team. He was also loaned to the Hakiatan Hanhals IF team last season. He's a point getter. I mean, 14 points in 14 games for Hanhals. He had 17 points in 16 games for the J20 Frölunda team, four points in two games for the J18 team. He was ranked as high as 58 by Dabber. He was ranked as low as 121 by FC, but that was the lowest by far he was ranked. Uh, The next lowest ranking was 85 by McKean's. The thing about him is that uh, Iserman says that they do a lot of kind of questioning of who, who else on your team. If you had to say, we, if you said we should take someone else on your team, who would you say we should take? Who's your highest character person? And like everyone said this kid. Everyone said Liam Dower Nilsson is the kid you should take. Right. And did you see the thing that... that um, well, he's that, best friends um, with Edvinson. Yeah, Edvinson. Yeah, they're they're best friends apparently. And, and you know, Detroit would keep picking and, you know, they weren't picking him. They're like, damn, I want to pick... I want them to pick Liam. And, you know, finally that happens. I mean, imagine just, you know, you grow up with this kid. Uh, imagine best friends or whatever... And, you know, your friend gets picked to the same team you do. That doesn't mean that you're going to play together ever. But, I mean, you have that moment that you you're guys in the got same drafted system. in the same yeah. draft. Yeah, so. And this is I mean, apparently definitely a guy. A cool thing. This is apparently a guy that Hawk and Anderson was also, quote, banging on the table for. I saw that. <laughs> and it, that's, I mean, if that's what Hawkins doing for you, that's a very large vote of confidence. Uh, the notes on him where he's a playmaker, a passer, a setup man, the player who feeds you the puck through three layers of defense right on your tape at the goal mouth and quarterbacks your power play. Dower Nilsson never reveals the position of his intended outlet. He scans the ice once to locate it and then looks away, only tracking its progress in his peripheral vision. That's huge. Um, just a smart, high IQ, elite passing center. If again, if he ever makes it, if your fifth round pick number one thirty four makes it to the NHL, you're doing something extremely right. 
Well, but in this draft, it, you wouldn't be shocked if it happened. And, and, and that's why I said at the beginning before they, you know, before we were talking about the draft, this is a gigantic draft for Steve Eisenman. Not just, you know, in the first round for him to hit, because, you know, hopefully he'll hit on one or both of those first round picks. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's opportunities in this draft for guys to fall and then you know you know five years later say how the hell did that guy fall to four? Oh wait you know it was COVID and, you know there wasn't a lot of hockey played throughout the country so I mean this is uh, this could be the draft that turns around the rebuild obviously it's not going to be right away because a lot of these guys are far away from the NHL but I mean you know we could be looking at this draft three or four years from now saying oh my god. <laughs> they have four impact players from this draft like a gold mine of a draft right right exactly so i mean that's the interesting part of this the the story is incredible in itself for liam here um but uh yeah yeah so uh, the last two that we picked oscar plandowski who is a six foot 190 uh right shot defenseman his dad is and does something for phoenix yeah, he's he was um, in in the scouting department for Phoenix. Also, was in the scouting department with Tampa Bay when Steve Eisenman was there. So that's I don't know if it's a, a friend kind of thing. I mean, obviously he can <laughs> Plandowski can play. It's like Daryl, give me give me the down low on your kid. What's <laughs> what's he got? <laughs> I remember him saying something to the effect of he can. He, yes, he's he's. I worked with his father, but he can also play. We like the player a lot. So of course, I mean, they're gonna say that, right? But uh, I mean, last I, season uh, he played for the Charlottetown Islanders in the QMJHL. Had 17 points in 39 games. Had two points in eight playoff games. So a guy out of the a defenseman, a big. I mean, not that big, but a big-ish defenseman out of the Q was handed was ranked as low as 110 by McKean's and as high as 76 by Draft Prospects Hockey, uh, was drafted 155. And then the last pick went to Pasquale Zito, who did not play last season uh, in the 2020-21 season for the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL. He, the previous season in 46 games, had 13 points for Windsor. Um, But his numbers previous to that, his junior-junior numbers... 23 points in 30 games for the Mississauga Rebels in the GTHL. Uh, for the Ottawa Senators, U15 had 29 and 29. And he is a six foot 174 uh, left shot center. So he was taken round six with pick 166. He was not ranked by anyone except for NHL Central Scouting. But uh, what I saw on him is they considered him a heart and soul kind of player. So maybe you get your next Luke Glendening and someone like a Pasquale Zito. But again, he, the chances of him making it, even though this draft is a crapshoot, his sixth round pick is generally pretty far removed from the NHL. All I have to say is uh, um, of Pasquale Zito as being Pas- half Italian. If, if he ain't Italian, then I don't know who is Italian in the world. <laughs> Pasquale Zito, huh? That's why I said I got to yeah. do the hand motion. I said I say it in literally the most ratatouille voice possible. I say Pasquale Zito. And it's uh, horrible, horrible that I do that. But that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, but well, that was I mean, the, with that name, I mean, you got to be Italian, right? I mean, uh, he is uh, was born in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, well, but I know, but I'm just saying the bloodline, you know, of course. Yeah, I don't see anything about parents or anything on here, but uh, <laughs> but that's what the Red Wings did in in their draft, and I have seen grades ranging from a B plus to a D. I and again. I don't think you can grade this, especially this draft, instantly. I think you can grade this draft in two years, depending on development, maybe. And I, from what I see, top level, looking at where guys were ranked, what people have to say about them, watching video afterwards, I do I wish they probably would have taken a forward higher? Probably. Were there some players available, like a Dylan Duke? Yes, like an Aturati when they had a pick. Yes. Oh, boy. But Iserman gets the guys Iserman wants or that he feels like the system needs. And knowing that we're not going to be a playoff team next season and that next season is absolutely loaded with forwards, 
that are really high caliber. I could see Iserman making some moves to stock up on picks for next season to get a good chance at stocking our system with forward talent. I think there were just guys he thought he couldn't pass up this season. All I have to say is, and, and you know, I'm not one to crucify Steve Eisenman, but if Nick Letty comes here and isn't a good player and Atu Rati becomes an impact player in New York, I mean, this it's not going to be a fun time. See, I can't do that, though, because that's the whole trading Kyle Quincy and they draft Vasilevsky thing is if you would have taken that pick, that probably wouldn't have been your player there. You don't uh, think they would have taken the first-round talent in Atu Rati? I mean, they, uh, several other teams passed him up until the 50s, so no. That's uh, true. What happened to him? I, he had a bad pre-draft year. Like, really, he was on fire and mocked in the top three two years ago. And then this year, he, he comes in and just kind of shit the bed and didn't look great. So he dropped. But the Pretty talent sure he didn't even there. make the World Junior team. But the talent is still there. That's the thing. Yeah. And he showed that in the showcase, uh, how much you can take away from the showcase. But he had a four-goal game, so... Uh, we'll see what happens there, but we're going to wrap it up tonight, and I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off. Well, my final thoughts are obviously, you know, some of these guys are far away from the NHL, and some will may never even make it. But um, from what I saw, I think Steve Eisenman went in with went into it, and I say Steve Eisenman, I mean Steve Eisenman and, and company <laughs> and company, of course, uh, went into it with a plan, uh, and they wanted to get big defensemen. They wanted to continuously get people with good character, good motor, and they did that. So, I mean, you can't fault Steve Eisman. I know people are like, oh, well, you know, they had kind of a rough draft. No, I mean, if those guys that they traded up to get turn out to be impact players, then it's a win. It's an absolute win, and especially Kosa. That was ballsy by Steve Eisman to say, you know what, I see a goalie out there. Everyone else thinks it's it's um, um, Wallstead, but I think it's Kosa, and I think he's the goalie of the future. And you know what? They they, they found him, and they, they said, you know what? This is who we're going after. But, you know, the draft was fascinating, and uh, free agency will be even more fascinating, so we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Per Elliot Friedman, Brent Seabrook's contract has been traded to Tampa Bay for Tyler Johnson in a second-round pick. Wow. So that just happened right now. Um, <laughs> we got. I'm expecting Iserman to make a 3 a.m. trade today. So I'll be up probably with the kid, and I'll be checking Twitter tonight to see what happens. Um, but those are my final thoughts. I like the draft. It was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and getting some shirts, and we're going to be doing some more giveaways soon. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast wherever podcasts are hosted, thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them at HockeyPodNet. We'd like to give a shout-out to Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use promo code GRINDLINE, you can get 10% off your order. You can use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back to get 12% off your order. Uh, we like to say thanks to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline Podcast. And you can check out our merch at RedBubble.com. Uh, just by searching the grind line, uh, we have been selling a shit ton of Iserman shirts, which is great. The Iserman trade shirt's probably the best one that I have. I have a Frolunda Red Wings one in the work right now because we are drafting literally the entire Frolunda team. So that one will <laughs> hopefully be out shortly. Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.